Very good. That took you a few seconds. It was, yeah. You could have gone with we'll a Nando's we'll joke, but out. you missed it. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of formerly the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. For in the week that the UK government ran a horribly distasteful advert about people in the arts giving up their professions and retraining, you're listening to the Cyber Security Podcast with David Pettit and Rich O'Keefe. Oh my god, I almost had to mute myself. During How are you, Rich? Well done, David might be one of your finest. Well done, I had not seen that coming at all. Oh boy. <laughs> Adeptus Mechanicus for us. Yes, exactly. Cybersecurity is our calling, according to Mr. Johnson and Mr. Sunak. And they're wonderfully terrible friends. Oh, God. God and, anyway. And, I mean, if, if nobody's seen the advert, it's um Cringeworthy horrific. is an understatement. Yeah, and, and the photograph, they, they used some sort of stock photograph of a ballerina um, saying that she needs to retrain to be a, possibly a cybersecurity expert um but the photo they used wasn't used by permission and um someone highlighted this and let the original photographer know wow way to go british um, government you are actually listening to the floor hammer podcast obviously (laughs) uh you can find us on facebook (laughs) that's really good because i know absolutely nothing about cyber security beyond don't write your password down yes yeah i mean I, i know a bit but that's um I, I work a bit around that, so let's let's not get into that. Uh, but uh, yes, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast, our website, floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. So anyway, how have you been in the last uh, couple of weeks and a bit, we should say, Rich? Yes, been all right. Things are pretty much going ahead as usual. It's been a bit hectic at home. I suppose I'll lead that into the show news segment, which is not really show news, is that this episode is late uh, because of my fault. Well, not technically my fault. Uh, My mother-in-law had her knee replacement this week, which she's been waiting a year for. Um, I I will take some of the blame, not for mother-in-law's knee replacement, but uh, the fact that we had to push our normal Monday recording to a Tuesday because I was coming back from holiday, um, and then you couldn't do the Tuesdays. So we are equally to blame. That is true, yeah. So yeah, it's been a bit crazy in the house, um, but she's all all alright, which is a good news. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously for people who don't know, I've mentioned it before, she lives with us, so it's uh, pretty hectic in our house at the moment, but um, still had some uh, time to get hobby bits done. I'm not rolling out a no hobby progress excuse like you are, Dave. This is a, this is a we, the reason we are late excuse. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but my reason we are late is also my reason why I haven't done much hobby this week. <laughs> but aside from hobby progress, we are of course going to hit you with our regulars of GW releases, which have been a bit thin on the ground. There's been a is lot it... of Age of Sigmar focus going on with them with the with the gargants and things. Yeah, well, that looked fantastic. Yeah, we'll get but, onto that um... a little bit. Well, I mean, the, the the most of the 40k stuff is um, actual releases slash pre-orders of stuff we've already exactly. um, previewed. So no, we, okay. we will go over them. We will go over them slightly. Yeah, not in great detail. And no game to speak of. Um, no, it's becoming more and more difficult to try and do a lockdown or future lockdown or potential stage tiered 
ludicrously complex government system, uh, safe lockdown gaming. And topic, we're going to talk about awkward to paint colours and Ooh. hobby hacks. I suppose we're supposed to hashtag that, aren't we? Is that what people do? Hobby hacks, life hacks, all that sort of uh, random crap you get on YouTube? I, I don't know. I'm meant to be the younger one. I'm meant to be down with the kids. But I think you know more about the social media lingo than I do these You're days. You're knocking on the door of 30, mate. You're not down with the kids at all. <laughs> You're basically dead in their eyes. I am. I'm, I'm the old man. I mean, I've got facial hair, so I well, am an it. old man now. Um, and we'll round things off with a hobby tip. So um, I'm going to talk about doing uh, decals and transfers, the Games Workshop, um, because I thought I'd try it out without the Microsoft microsets and got a pretty good result. Okay. Not not so shiny? No, it came out really well. Really, really well. Oh, nice, nice. I, I will listen with uh, eager ears, if that's something. That's, that'd be nice. That'd be a novel part of the show where you actually listen, Dave. That'd be uh, unique. Yeah, but that's that's in like an hour's time, so I'll <laughs> listen by then. Right, do you want to um, hit off with some hobby progress then? I'll throw yes. you under the bus first. I, well, I mean, mine will be quite short because um, I, like I said, have been on holiday. However, now, where have you been on holiday, Dave? Let's clarify that quickly. I had a staycation, um, right. but not not staycation in the house. I had a pre-booked um, trip down to the south coast of England that is still, uh, well, as of that moment, was still out of the uh, harsh lockdown measures that we have in the, in the UK. We have a holiday booked for half term, which is less than two weeks, and I'm crossing just about everything in sight that we don't get any form of uh, restrictions because it's it's a one of those little cabin places, so we ain't going to see anybody, but uh, we might not be allowed to go there. That's the problem. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly what we've uh, yeah. we've just come from a little oh, cabin. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, just just disguise it as a um, a fox hunt or a, a grouse shoot. Or I'll take my glasses off. That's the, that's the key in it. It well, yeah, <laughs> go for an eye test. <laughs> Um, these are very UK central uh, jokes we're doing here, but um, uh, my my hobby progress. I did do a bit uh, before we went away. I had a few days before we went, uh, and I was working on my Black Templars captain that I spoke about last time uh, in the uh, slightly strange colour scheme of all gold as like an ornate gold, much like our very own High Marshal Helbrecht. Um, but this this um, marshal also has a uh, a unique armor set. Nice in gold. It's, it's definitely it's definitely a different. You've definitely done it a different gold to your Helbrecht model, which is good. So they they would they would look different if you put them on the tabletop together. Yeah, yeah. I I, I will um, won't ever fill them together because I don't think to, to me it doesn't make sense. No, but they do look different, like you said, and um, that's because with my Helbrecht. Um, model i went with the sort of the g dubs gold which is a bit more coppery a bit more red yeah than than the um the gold that i've gone for which is a bit more um yellowy and i guess uh saturated it's very it's, gold if that makes sense it yeah looks, it, it actually looks like it's made out of gold um which which i really like actually mm. and i might start doing gold this way across the across the army but uh yeah so i i have been working on him so i d- i had finished the armor and uh, now I did all of the details. So that was the cloths, the metals, um, his belt, um, the little tilting shield that they get. So um, I actually dug out a, a Black Templar's specific tilting um, shield. Oh, yeah, I remember the... they had those on the upgrade sprue, didn't they? Yep, yep. Yeah, so that's, that's what I've got. I had to um, sort of cut a few bits um, to get it to fit into the hole where the Indomitus tilting shield goes. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've 
painted all of those details and he is essentially finished body wise uh, i just need to do his actual shield and um, head so i have been debating which head to use and i think i'm going to go with one of the um, forge world stormcast eternal heads nice so um i have a blister pack of um the stormcast eternal heads from forge world there was like a pack of like 10 of them uh, and one of them is uh, like a old bearded long-haired grizzled veteran that mm. looks like he's seen a lot of uh, a lot of theaters of war so uh, i think you've, i might go with that one you've bucked the trend of a uh, bald angry person then well i thought i'd have a an army of bald angry men led by someone that's grown hair oh and that's why they're so angry right <laughs> you Fertile know the jealousy i get it <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I've painted um, all of those bits up, and the, the Aquila, I've kept the same colours mm-hmm. for the Aquila as they, um, as the, the, the sort of the normal black troops. Um, so that's I've gone for a, a grey um, Aquila rather than the gold that you might see on some black Templars. Um, which shield has he gone with? Is it is this the you base it off the captain model or the lieutenant model? Uh, so it is the captain model. Oh, um, so he's got his with, buddy with, on his shield. He has got his buddy on his shield. So the other blade guard and the other um, guys with massive shields in the army have the Forge World, yes. the old Forge World Black Templar shields. Um, whereas this guy, I've kept the shield from the Indomitus set because it looks so good. It's so good. Yeah. So, so good. I'll probably paint it up in the same way with the um, uh, the Hallows Gate um, heraldry with the red um, diamonds. Or the the sorry the red uh, checkers is that Hallow's Gate? Uh, well, it's it's actually the Jerulus Crusade um, what, color yeah. scheme. But you used but, it for um, your Hallow's Gate stuff for the, yeah, for the next. Campaign. I adapted oh. it for for uh, yeah our Hallow's Gate campaign. Nice, nice little nod and, there. Yeah, and all all of the so I made up a, a long backstory about the Hallow's Gate campaign to introduce my Black Templars, and all of those characters are in my Crusade army. Nice. So it's it's a it's a nice narrative way to to uh, kick the army off back into the the primaris elements with uh, potentially potentially a supplement coming for the uh, black templars. Yes, as well. the rumours the rumours abound that you'll get your own supplement. Do you know what, Dave? Don't believe it until it's in your hands, mate. Because I don't want to see you get I've heartbroken done it again. I've, I mean, I've still got the faith and fury, which is current technically with yeah, the yeah. space marine codex which i haven't picked up i actually went into um so in the south of england there's a a, a town called barnstable went into barnstable games workshop and uh, it's closed on sundays no way yeah that's when you know you're in the countryside in england mate when uh, when shops are closed on, on a sunday yeah so it was, it was closed on sundays I was, I was, I was gutted. I guess, I guess, games workshops uh, have a right to be closed for two days a week. Didn't matter too much. I mean, I probably would have gone in there and they'd been sold out of the Space Marine codexes anyway. I did get to read one uh, this week though. Someone at uh, work bought their version in, so. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, so I got to flick through it and then look at the Crusade rules, specifically Exciting. specific Space Marine Crusade rules. Uh, yeah, love it. Love, I love the fact that they are investing heavily into the um, the narrative side of the game, this rather than just yeah, rather than just um, going match play or nothing. Mm. So yeah, I mean, uh, going back to hobby progress, that is what I've got uh, done the last uh, couple of weeks. Because uh, from then I went on holiday and came back uh, what a day or two ago. 
Yeah. So and, you, uh, we did, we pushed back the recording, mate. You could have smashed out some hobby progress in that time. I could have, but except I mean, you were back I mean, to work after holiday, which is impossible to get anything done. I'm also in the middle of um, or starting a house move, Ugh. so I've got endless paperwork to do from mortgage brokers and and uh, solicitors. So um, my evenings are so exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just paperwork and concentration, and then you don't really want to concentrate on painting a model after that, so I usually just lull in front of the TV after that. But uh, yeah, w- what have you got done in the last two weeks? Obviously, you've been at home, and you've had uh, lots of time to work All on right, stuff. All so right, don't start piling on the pressure. Don't, none of that, none of that. Hey, it's, it's just the reverse of what you do to me. Right, so yeah, so I've got to spend all this time talking about more than one model, okay. So I worked on my Age of Sigmar table. The I think I think you'll find it's not even one model. Yeah, I was trying to be generous, mate. Come on, I'm trying. I'm trying to trying to be kind. <laughs> technically, my Age of Sigmar table is one model, right? And I still haven't finished that. So True. it's it's now what uh, six months since I started it, and I'm still working on it because even I've not dragged a model through six months worth of hobby progress. <laughs> no, I know, and uh, it's. So many mistakes were made during the planning um, and design stages that have uh, come to light. I've uh, learned a lot of what not to do in the future. Hindsight um, is a wonderful thing. Hindsight is amazing, isn't it? Especially when it's things like don't set yourself up to cast individual uh, tiled slabs for your city area, which takes freaking forever. <laughs> um, so I am still on the flagstone uh, for the city section uh, task. I built the city section on another tile, uh, another board piece, um, realised I don't have enough tiles, so I need to either cast more of them up, which takes time, a lot of time, or think of something else I can do with the ground area that means I don't have to have it tiled. So some sort of... Broken tiles? Have you got any cast-offs? I've got a few off-casts, but you have to... There's there's like over a hundred and something tiles go on to each board section, so it's very difficult. So I may be working through some alternative solutions where it's like a large parkland area or something. I might do like a... Uh, <laughs> I might do like a, a little wall, because I've got a whole bunch of walls that I ran off my 3D printer, um, and just do a walled-in like park area. I've got some of the, the old dead Citadel trees... Um, that I could put obviously, in there. Obviously, that city council's got some uh, green green quota to fill. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, dog you've walking got to have areas. green space, mate. No, it's it's a dog walking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do a little red pin on the corner. Um, <laughs> so I've got to get on with that, and it's just draining my spirit. But um, it's getting there. And the trees, I made the trees. I've almost finished the trees. They just need their last um, seal layer and uh, final dusting of, of bright flock on top they are very close to being done all 20 of them um, very realistic as well they've I come out say. they've come out really nice i'm happy with them i just got to make sure i seal them properly so they last that's the only thing they look good i've just got to make sure they're durable enough for gaming so i am making progress it doesn't feel like progress because everything's a big task but i will get there i have not done a vlog update because i haven't really done enough to, to put in the vlog update um, and I think when I'm done, I'm just going to run through a lessons learned process <laughs> to outline for anybody else who wants to build their own gaming table, things not to set yourself up for at the start, because all of the problems in getting stuff done have definitely been in the starting setup. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I won't get into it now because it's very long, but... Uh, you want to keep those views. Wanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to keep people the on the chain. And, uh, <laughs> finish <laughs> it and then say, well, that was a load of crap. Uh, don't do it like this. 
<laughs> no, there's definitely some things. Actually, most of the stuff that I've put on the vlogs, like the building of the terrain pieces, painting them, doing the trees, the water pour, all that stuff is the stuff that I would do again. But I, again, I won't get into it now in detail. But we are getting there. We are getting there. I'm hoping to finish it before end of year. So that'll be good. And then I can not game on it until sometime in 2021. But at least it'll be done. Why haven't you got your brother-in-law? sort of uh, yeah so yeah living extended house bubbling i don't know what the rules are no one knows (laughs) what the rules are dave but yes um covid is a hoax (laughs) oh don't start no no let's not go down that road and i finished my second squad of sisters i said i had them mostly done last time uh they are dumb um so i'm uh really happy with how the army's progressing seeing as i actually getting these done at a reasonable rate and they look nice which is an unusual thing for me it's usually one or the other I either smash it out on a reasonable speed like the Contrast Marines and they look okay, or I take forever to do things and they look nice like the Orcs. Um, this one's a happy medium for once. Nice. I feel good about it. All I've got left to do after that is the Seraphim and a couple of characters, and then that is my sister stuff done apart from the vehicles. So then it's going to be my first foray into how the heck do you airbrush uh, contrast paints over things. I've seen a lot of videos. I'm going to just go for it. Yeah. I mean, the vehicles might actually benefit from a metallic that is close to the end colour and then uh, recess washing. Well, I've seen a lot of people um, airbrushing with the contrast paints and they come out like the finished tone that you get from the paint-on version. You just don't get the contrasting effect, which I'm okay with. What I'm hoping I can do is airbrush over the silver spray on the vehicles to get the right metal tone. And then I'll do a pin wash. I'm, I'm very happy with pin washing vehicles. You know, I've talked about it in the past and it's worked out well when we've done it. So I will probably do it that way around. Yeah. That's okay. going to be my, my, my target, I think. From the pictures that you shared, I, I'd say even just like a Reichland flesh shade in some of the deeper recesses yeah. might work. Yeah, I'll, try, I'll, give, I'll give a few things. I've got some spare Lehman Rust panels lying around that I got off of somebody for before, so I will do some tests on those. And then I've got the um, Exorcist and, and, an, and an Immolator to do. Easy for you to say. It's not really, is it? <laughs> bungle through that one. And I'm halfway through painting my non-GW I want to paint something for the sake of painting it model. So I started painting a Studio McVeigh model um, which is mm. Arfinel. It is an elf druid, I think. She's sort okay. of uh, modelled walking down a set of stairs and has like a bow and this little bird on her hand, hence I think the druid link. I've gone for like a wintry theme, so I'm trying to paint her skin so that it looks cold as opposed to normally I paint skin quite warm flesh colours. Um, More and I'm trying sort to... of blues mixed in. Yes, yeah, and blues and purples in the shading. Um, and I'm trying to do her dress blue. Um, I realised that I suck at layer highlighting, <laughs> like really <laughs> suck at layer highlighting. I'm much better at cheating with contrast paints or using edge highlighting. Um, I think too many Space Marine armies has, has done this to me. Um, I've, I've, I've noticed uh, with layer highlighting, the key is using more paints. The more paints you have, the less mixing you have to do. Yes. And the smoother blend you get. So I'm using three colours um, okay. and mixing. So they are Calador Sky which is the base paint mid blue hoeth blue and white and basically blend and basically making the in-between mixes with those two and you're right there is some seriously obvious transitions in certain parts so i've not quite got it right so it might be something to practice but it's been fun because i've not been stressing about it maybe try a bit of uh, wet blending with the mid color so you say the hoeth blue yeah that sounds tricky 
no, I got to I got to give these things a try. And the idea is to do something a bit different. So it's going okay. It's going okay. I'm sort of because I'm not. It's really nice because I'm not painting it for an army or to do for a, a I must complete this project. Um, I'm just sort of picking it up and doing a little bit here and there and then putting it down. So it's nice. It's, and I've it's been a one-off as well. It's a one-off. So you don't have to match anything. Yes. So where I've been doing those um, color mixes on the, on the dress, it doesn't matter if I can't repeat that. Um, I haven't got to stress about it, which is really, really relief. And I started a Warhammer Quest side project. Ooh. Yes, I'm printing dungeon tiles to make a Warhammer Quest 3D version of the game to play with my son. Um, I haven't actively painted anything. I've just been running things off on the on, on the printer. So that's going okay. But it's uh, it's one of those things where it's going to take quite a long time for that machine to, to do everything I want it to do. Yeah, so, well, so you're just doing... You're playing Warhammer Quest, but instead of the, the flat dungeon tiles you've gone for... A 3D version, like you see yep. with some D and D tiles. Yeah. So they're, they're they're printed square layouts for the various rooms, and hopefully I can can knock out a bunch of uh, monsters that equate to the lower level monsters in the in the Warhammer Quest game and play a light version of it with my son because uh, that this game is, this is OG Warhammer OG Quest. Warhammer Quest, not Silver Tower. Um, I love Warhammer Quest; it's fantastically fun, but yep. the rule set is silly. Like, <laughs> all the abilities that you can stack on top of each other and weapons and things, it gets ridiculously out of control, which is why it's fun. Um, but uh, my son's only six, so I don't really want complicated stacking rules. I want to keep it kind of clean so that it's, it's fun. I might use the Hero Quest rules where they, it's a dice with pictures on it rather than numbers, and you just have um, a very simple stat line. So, But it's not anything that I've progressed very far. I'm just running off all these tiles in the background and, and getting ready for a mass paint session. <laughs> Careful, that's a bit close. <laughs> right, yes, keep it clean, Dave. And lastly, I've got the intercessors out on the table as well um, to paint. So uh, I mentioned that I was doing the Indomitus box set as Ultramarines. Um, oh, the Assault Intercessors. The Assault Intercessors, they are... Everything's primed in McRag Blue, apart from the characters, which are two of them are uh, in black for the Chaplain and the Judicia. What chaps are you going for, then? <laughs> Ultramarines, Dave. I just said that. Well, you really don't listen, do you? Uh, and um, I've done the shading. So it is... Uh, I'm super lazy with mine. I listened to our local GW manager and just went with Drakenhof Nightshade, um, which is a dark blue wash. Mm -hmm. um, but I just thinned it. It's five parts wash to one part Lamy medium just to help it flow a little bit better. It gets a bit less blotchy. Um, and it makes the blue nice and dark. I don't like, personally, McCrag Blue Ultramarines, just McCrag Blue. Um, it's not my favourite colour. Um, they can look nice. Some people paint Divided. Them, Divided. Some people paint them super nice and they look fantastic. It's not my personal taste on the colour. I like a darker blue. Um, so heading into sort of Crimson Fist sort of yes, blue. Yes, not as um, desaturated as the Crimson Fist, the Cantor Blue, but getting pretty close. Because mm. I have tried... Um, the occasional mistake that I've made, I've tried to touch it up with Cantor Blue um, because it's the, the what my base colour on the armour is a shade all over the whole model rather than a recess. So trying to re you know trying to mimic that colour is difficult. Cantor Blue isn't quite there, so you can kind of see the the touch ups, but I get away with it. Battle damage, battle yeah, damage, always exactly. works. Or stick a purity damage. seal on it. <laughs> Just have a whole load of pre-painted purity seals to cover up mistakes. That's a good Don't idea. You? <laughs> it's a great idea. Just pouches and purity seals everywhere. 
but it's been yes, yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks actually. So again, um, I've got a lot of bits done, but nothing majorly completed. I'll look forward to in like a month's time where I can say that the sisters that I've got are painted and put them in a box and feel good about the fact that I've I've completed something that needs that needs to happen. Tick yeah, off the list. That's, that's my issue. I keep I keep not finishing stuff, and then uh, because I haven't finished stuff, I don't put anything on Instagram. I just do bits here and there, and I've got so many unfinished models that are like 80% done. I'm notorious for not doing bases as well. I don't do bases for some of my models. So some models I've completed and not done the bases. It's really bad. That's why it's good that you started your um, Black Templars basing before you started painting the models. At least that, that chore is off the list. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the other issue. I've done the, I've done the bases and not the models now. <laughs> oh, they're spray black, Dave. They're mostly done, mate. <laughs> You're not that far off. Uh, hey, I've, I've got to green stuff a load of um, half tabards on on my assault intercessors before I can do those. Oh, that sounds painful. It's it's not too bad. So I've gone no? with okay. the um, the Indomitus style tabard underneath the armor. So there's less of it to do. Good thing. So Tim. you don't have the big tabard over the yeah. um, the new Primaris sort of enhanced breastplate that they have. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that they are very pronounced. Those breastplates, super buff. Yeah. So um, yeah, underneath the armor, and just less of it, and the bit in between the legs can be sort of wavy, and it doesn't matter too much, and it doesn't have to be. You don't look at that too much. No, you can get away with quite a lot. Actually, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good thought. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So it looks good when it's done. I've seen a few people do it. Um, I haven't done it on my standard intercessors, but those standard intercessors are still painted in the old style, so I probably will paint them at some point. So who knows, I might green stuff tabards onto those as well. Right, so should we roll through to GW releases then? Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) You sound so unhappy. (laughs) I'm just, I'm not unhappy, it's just, it's a light. Just disappointed. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not disappointed. I'm never disappointed in Games Workshop, Dave. I love them beyond belief. They never make a mistake. Yeah, that's not true. Um, no, I just because I think a lot of these are things we've talked about before. It's uh, It feels like we're going to rattle through them, but I think it's good to go through them because there's a couple of things that I did pick out that was new news. So I will, we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. New news. New uh, news. What, talk about uh, new models first. And on, then. Controversial. We're not going to talk about 40k first. We're going to talk about Necromunda. Because this is my personal favourite model that's been uh, shown in the last couple of weeks. The Underhive Doctor. So good. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I've, I've, in the last year or so, I've really come round to the um, John Blanche style. I don't like his, uh, no offence to people that love his artwork, but I I find his artwork a bit... um, I don't like the style. I love mm-hmm. the setting and the inspiration and everything that goes with it. I just don't like the, the style of his um, drawings. But uh, I love the whole... Um, I've embraced the grim dark. And Necromunda has really screened out to me in, in the last few months or so. Uh, and this guy encapsulates it all. It's halfway between um, the... I guess a, like a homunculus... Yep. And uh, an Admech, uh, was it, Tech Dominus. Yep. And just uh, like one of the old um, witch doctors with the, the beak mask. The plague mask, yes. The plague mask, that's the one. Yep. Um, it's just a combination of all of those and he looks um, horrendous. You would not like to have him as your actual doctor. No, you would not. I, I, like to, I like to hope he applies the same logic as the plague doctors as well, where that <laughs> long nose thing is just full of smelling salts and things to make, to make things smell nice. Um, because that's what they thought was disease. 
Um, I'll tell you who he reminds me of. He reminds me of um, the old Batman cartoon penguin. <laughs> the really long face. Yeah, I he's, he's got that sort of vibe to him. But uh, yeah, I mean, where, he's got like a massive circular saw, and when yeah, what's you apply that, that, what's that even for? <laughs> scares the crap out of me. Where, I mean, he's got no. Um, his his scalpel is a massive like butcher knife. It's... And uh, he's uh, he's applying his gloves. Some would say provocatively, others would say in a disgusting, perverted way. It's menacing. Let's say that. Yes, it's menacing. It's, I mean, he's an underhive doctor, but I don't really think he's actually going to make anybody better. I think he's just going to help process the the sick person. But you know, well, I mean, with those gloves, he's going to doctor your underhive. I think. So. Oh, wow. wow! Cheap, cheap jokes. That's what we're all about. I tell you what's not a joke though that freaking Terminator Chaplin for Warhammer Day, which I don't know if I get a day off work for that. I'm going to ask them. Thirty um, first no. of October sounds like Labor Day in the US. So isn't that an a, that's a legitimate day off though, right? Yes, that is a legit day off. <laughs> you, it's a very quiet day at work when it's Labor Day. You work with a lot of American colleagues, so uh, I hope you know the ins and outs of what that means. But yeah, they've announced it as 31st of October, something to celebrate, and we get this sweet Terminator Chaplin model, because the existing Terminator Chaplin model is fantastic. I was going to say, it's one of my favourite models. It's, it's, I mean, almost, yeah, loads of people, it's it's one of their favourite models, um, and it's in, it was in metal, then it was in fine cast, which obviously nobody wants, and now we're getting something that looks pretty close to it. Um, nicely inspired by, but in plastic, and that's a big win. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, he is very much the um, new Games Workshop dynamic pose um, character. I I don't know what it is about all of these new chaplains. I don't like the heads. Uh, really? I, I don't. Yeah. I, I again, I don't like. I think it's the weird sort of cartoony skull helmet that they've got. Okay. I've I've always had as as my chaplain I've not looked past sort of Grimaldus really, um, and he's got a cool sort of skull style Mark Eight whatever it was Mark Eight helmet, so it's like a skull helmet. Whereas these literally look like skulls, um, and I know that's that's the classic way of doing it. Is it a bit too skeletory for you? Is that the problem? Yes, actually. You know who Skeletor say, is, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now you say that, I am actually thinking of Skeletor. And there we go. I can see the uh, the connections, um, being him as a, a bit goofy. But, Skeletor's uh, the best, man. He's like the, be- he's like the best you villain. You can't, can't deny he's not goofy. <laughs> Shut up. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is, but the rest of the model is fantastic. And, I mean, he's a chaplain, so I'm going to like it anyway. Of course you are. Yeah. It's uh, genetic, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome that, that he's coming out for this. And we've got more news to follow because there is more big release online preview number four, I think this is. So it might not be number four, actually. It might be something else. But um, there's another online preview coming this weekend. I've so just brought it up. It's Gridiron and Glory. There we go. When's it coming out? Um, hold the line caller Saturday the 17th so after this episode goes live so I hope you enjoyed it it looked great <laughs> before we this episode goes brilliant. live <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was amazing did you see the uh, insert Xenos character here yeah did you see those uh, plastic aspect warriors they look fantastic 
Well, it does say it does say if you're a fan of Blood Bowl, Warhammer Underworlds, and Warcry, you'll have something extra special. Oh, so it's all fantasy but... stuff. So there's no forty. K... So we'll bang yeah. that in our forty k news section, Dave, and make me sound like a moron. Excellent yeah. work. Well Who done, knew? Who knew that Fulgrim was going to be the next Demon Prince coming out? Eh? Who knew? Yeah. So we should probably mention the pre-orders. Uh, we've uh, alluded to this. They are stuff we already knew was coming down the line and have seen the models for. So rattling them off in quick succession, it is the Void Dragon Catan Shard, which looks fantastic. Fantastic. There's a theme here. The Ophidian Destroyers, which are the destroyers that are a nod back to the old Wraith models. Yes. Also Love fantastic. Them. Love and- them, but look very breakable. Well, their spines look fairly thick, so you know not everyone's got a weak spine like you, Dave. You know these guys. <laughs> oh, very these good. Guys, these guys are strong. <laughs> very good. Um, Please move on. <laughs> quickly, swiftly move on. The convergence of Dominion, which is the three Necron pylon terrain piece things. Correct. They look freaking yes. massive. And See, I, cool. I'm I'm still not sure if they are three separate things or um, you have one and it degradates and you. Uh, I don't know. Do you mean degrades? You know, uh, I'm thinking of degradation, aren't I? The um, let's move on swiftly from that one. Software services. The monolith. <laughs> we mentioned it before. I know what I'm talking about. Degre- oh, I can't even say it. Degradation. Okay. Degrading of of, of services. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> the monolith. Um, we mentioned it before. I love this model. It's it looks just enough like the monolith to be like, hey, that's the monolith, but it's got loads of cool new stuff on it, um, and. I'm sure it's going to be easier to assemble than the current monolith. Harder to paint, though. It's less flat panels. This is true. This is true. This, this, this is this is Land Raider um, versions <laughs> of edge <laughs> So many edges made one. of edges. And the Hammerfall Bunker, which is the now confirmed uh, droppable uh, terrain piece from the Space Marines, because they needed deep striking terrain on top of everything else. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, have you seen the the little rule it gets as well that it can shoot every unit in range or something? Yep, yep. And it has heavy flamers. As, it has a heavy flamer array. Or however many heavy flamers that is, and heavy flamers now have a twelve inch range. So if you dump that mid board like on a smaller board that we have now to play on, there's a whole swath of the board that people do not want to go near. I hope it's a lot of points, um, but it looks freaking cool, and they do confirm it's going to be hard to kill because it is a bunker. I do see a benefit to this, though. Go on, then. Is that all of the armies with special rules against buildings will finally have something to uh, cheer about. Those Imperial Fists have finally got something to shoot (laughs) at. It's just another Space Marines bunker. (laughs) Our Our Siege Master rules finally come to the light. Before they get a new supplement, it probably gets taken away anyway. And the Primaris Tech Marine, the model that uh, a lot of people lauded as the death of the original Space Marines once they converted over to that. Once they said people were saying, once the Tech Marine comes out as Primaris, that'll be it. Um, yet here they are in the new Codex with two wounds. So shrug as to and a new Chaplain model in Terminator armor. So are you saying the internet's not right? The internet might be wrong. Who knows? Oh. Shocking, shocking. I mean, I mean, to be I, fair, also... are, are there any um, uh, obviously tactical squads? But are there any old style marines that haven't been primaricized? Any units? I mean, I suppose 
Well, it depends if do you think aggressors are primaris terminators because they're not quite so. Well, they're in gravis armor, so they're in the the primaris forms. But it doesn't have an invon save, Dave. I don't know, man. Like uh, these are no, the no, questions no. I'm not. I'm not saying they're a replacement for terminators. I'm just saying that they they're, are they're, part of the new primaris range. They're the big beefy unit. Um, mm. I don't think that there is. Anything Maybe has Thunderfire Thunderfire cannon because it's well, got the, the new, standard tech That's the new Scooty Scooty emplacement gun that's got grav plates and a tech marine on it. So that technically replaces the Thunderfire cannon. Mm. Um, so there no, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, so there's a whole swath of things coming out as uh, new releases, um, and yeah, it seems pretty good. Primary servitors. That's what they want. <laughs> yes oversized servitors and they kind of hinted when they t- talked about the release of the new codexes with the space marine and the necron ones how the codes are going to work for the digital copy interestingly it you don't actually enter it into the app at all you enter no. it into the website that is your warhammer your warhammer account <laughs> you have <laughs> my a warhammer, warhammer account my warhammer account no, no my warhammer account <laughs> Your My Warhammer account. Oh my god! Right into it is, the. It is. It's your My Warhammer account. Yes. Yeah, say it quickly. Um, nice. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to do the arm motion that nobody uh, outside of us two can see. Exactly. But, um, Visual cues. They work great on a podcast. Yeah. So I I, I saw this the other day because um, the the guy that had the codex was was trying to work it out because he was he <laughs> at an thought... IT company. Yeah. Well, he's not IT. Okay. Um, but uh, no, he he was trying to sort of work it out because he only has the he has the app, and yeah. the only way to see the Space Marine rules and potentially be somewhere where you can put the code in um, is is to subscribe to the app. Yeah. You set your more. You can do it all online in terms of the My Warhammer account um, thing. So you you register the code at your My Warhammer account page, and then when you, you log into then when you log into the app with your My Warhammer account sign on and don't subscribe unless you really want to, um, you will get uh, the codex pop up in there. So quite a good system. Once the code's mm. used once, they're all unique. Um, it, it can't be used again. Um, I don't know if there are any rules on sharing codes with people. If you buy the copy and don't care for the digital copy, I'm pretty sure you can't resell it. But as for as for giving it to somebody... Who knows? Well, I'm sure you can sell the code because they have no idea who bought the book. Uh, there are funny rules on the rules on digital assets are different to the rules on physical assets. You can oh, sell. I'm, your... I'm not saying this is legal. I'm, I'm just saying you oh, can give. You can code do away. what the hell you want, whether it's yeah. legal or not. Is uh, is what I was questioning. No, but no, uh, no. interesting way. They, I'm glad that they've they've kind of gone this way, though. I think it is the future. Mm. And lastly, talking of the future. The first episode or issue, I guess is the correct word, of the Marnius Kalgar comic came out to actually a fairly warm reception from, from what I've seen so far. Yeah, a few complaints that it's not grim dark enough. Oh, it, I mean, so, it's got... so someone took the same picture and just did it in black and white and said, are you <laughs> nice. happy now? <laughs> nice. Um, black and white and bad lighting, isn't it? That's the, yeah. <laughs> that's the joke. Don't trigger that, that people triggers, who are into... That triggers so many people. It triggers so many... Yeah, because... Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to get into it. I, it's more a joke about stuff I saw on Instagram before where um, someone had a popper. Did you see that before? Someone had a popper MJG paints about, like, your painting isn't good, you just use black backgrounds and iffy lighting. And, like, hundreds of people started sharing pictures of their models with, like, <laughs> deliberately shite lighting um, and, and, like, hashtagging him on stuff. It was pretty funny. 
Um, but yeah, I know it triggers the grimdark, grimdark community, which is why, why I just chuck it in there. But I mean, it shows Minus Cowgirl like pulling someone's torso in half and like bolt arounds, like actually exploding people into shreds of flesh. Like, I love comics. I, I mean, I haven't bought one for years and years and years, but uh, a 40k one with actual gore and coolness built in i'm all for it yeah it's cool like i mean people what, what, what the grim dark one looked like just get john blanche to draw a comic is that what people want because that's not oh, what people was, are going to get it was only it was only like two comments on the on the string of like 200 oh, so. okay i know how yeah. salty people get online dave you gotta you gotta you gotta expect them to really go off on a rant no but, i just i just thought the uh, the black and white replay is so was good hilarious <laughs> that's really good right well we don't have a game to talk about so do you want to dive into our main topic Right, so my suggestion to Dave for a topic this week was something that I've been going through recently with a few different uh, colour schemes, and that is painting awkward colours. Because everyone has colours they hate to paint, um, and I think there are colours that are generally considered to be the, air quotes, awkward or difficult colours to paint. Yeah, it does come down to personal preference because, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we can start off with stuff like yellow. Genuinely genuinely um viewed as an awkward color to paint i personally quite like painting yellow do you that's good when to know we'll get your tips it's on over, this. when it's over specific base coats ah we'll get on to that yes i'm 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 one who hates the standard affair of painting white uh, and painting yellow uh, but i had really good results painting white recently by cheating essentially um mm-hmm. which i'll get which i'll get onto which triggered the thought to cover painting this I'd, I'd showed the model picture and some people you know some friends were like oh i don't like white i hate painting white oh, right, okay. and i had another friend recently complaining about painting orange and was just pulling his hair out with trying to trying to paint orange and um, orange is one of my bugbears it's one on it's, it's on the list for me as well um mm. green it depends on the shade of green sometimes i like it sometimes not but all the other colors I, i'm pretty good with but there are just those ones that are really difficult to deal with the whites and the light grays um my understanding is it's something to do with the pigments in the paints it's very difficult to get a fine white pigment it's quite uh whatever titanium dioxide and whatever else they use to make white um can be quite large particle sizes or the particles can bunch together in the paint still the pigment particles you know even like jet games workshops corax white for example isn't actually white it's a super light gray slash mm. with a bit of creaminess to it they haven't used white only pigments because it's very difficult to get it that smooth uh outcome that you want from a from a base from a base paint and it's this it's the smoothness like i can paint things white and yellow but i always it always looks horrible the texture it all it all depends on your base coat as well yes. so I assume when you are talking about horrible times painting yellows and whites and light colours, it's always over like a dark base coat, like a black black spray or something. Usually, yes. I I have had some bits where I've even tried to go for an appropriate primer and just had a nightmare with the coverage. Um, Paint coverage is uh, not great for yellows traditionally and oranges. The the pigments in them are very thin. I, I guess it's some way to do with the amount of pigment they're able to put in the in the paint but it's the tones like uriel yellow that kind of uh bright i suppose lemony yellow that i really really struggle with having painted and orange most varieties of of shades of orange again have always tripped me up in the past and i think i've gotten impatient with the process and ended up making it look a bit textured when it's not supposed to be Um, could well be but 
this this is where my style of painting comes into play. I paint with a lot of dark colors. Yeah, <laughs> get away with it. So, well, so the the colors that you're talking about, Uriel yellow and like stuff like um is it the Troll Slayer orange? Troll Slayer orange is horrendous. They're always my like highlights, so I only need to do lines or yep. very like tips if I'm doing layer highlighting. So it doesn't affect me as much. Um white is something that I deal with and white over dark base coats is something that I deal with yep. constantly. And I never paint white over a dark base coat. I always work it up. Yeah. So um usually um take the templars for example, the recent ones I've done, black base coat, I've worked up through um Dawnstone, Administratum Grey, and then um I've gone to Wraithbone. Okay. But you you could go to like a a, a white or a, or something very similar. Yeah. And so, I so yeah. So I've I've worked up through the greys and very very thin down as well, just yeah. to get that smooth texture. Because the issue with painting over black is it's very tempting to do thicker coats. Yes. Because you want to get rid of the base coat. But um, yeah, when it when it's lighter colours, uh, talking about awkward colours in general, if it's lighter colours over a darker base coat always always go with the um extra thin coats i know it's such a cliche but always go with the extra thin coats over doing it slightly thicker so you don't so you only do it in two coats instead of three when we were planning this out to to cover it uh, it kind of breaks down to three main situations for when you want to paint these difficult colors um Mm -hmm. when that color is the majority of your model um, which in the example I'll, I'll talk through is the apothecary that I painted. The ninety-five percent of the model is white. Um, there is situations where parts of the model that are separate, either separate elements or separate parts, are in a different color. Like, for example, your black templars, you spray the shoulder pads white um, because they're separate to the model. They don't have to glue them on uh, during assembly. When I can, when you can, when possible. Uh, Indomitus not kind to you on that one. Uh, and the last kind of situation is where exactly that there are small parts or areas on a model painted in a different color or as regularly as the issue a dark color uh, where you are struggling to get success on a small part these are obviously also in order of uh, ease um, of dealing with them i.e if the majority of your space marine is yellow because it's an imperial fist uh getting that yellow color across the whole model evenly is uh there's quite a lot of easy options for you to do that don't think we can go another couple of episodes dave without having mentioned uh color primers yes color primers are your friend uh whenever i've done an army i've always gone with a uh, a base color which is very close to a readily available mm-hmm. primer that i've got or that's what I've used uh, with then a wash over the top of. Yeah. So um, when it's come to the salamanders, I've used army painted greens. Uh, when it's come to individual sort of blue uh, models, so I've painted like an ultramarine. I've used a McCrag blue. I've borrowed McCrag blue spray. Mm-hmm. And like the Thousand Suns, I used the gold primer yeah. just to get the smooth, difficult to paint sections of the model all a consi- consistent um, uh, texture. Because that's the benefit of uh, color primers and indeed airbrushes, which we'll probably move mm. on to swiftly after this. Yeah, it's the smoothness versus brushwork. Yeah, and you put in three or four layers with an airbrush or a, or a couple of coats on a primer, it is a lot faster and easier to get that that consistent outcome. 
which is one of the reasons why I was very actually annoyed that GW stopped producing Avalanche Sunset, their yellow base paint in a spray can. It was one of the... Because it had... The, the spray itself uh, was a reasonably bright yellow. It's kind of like a mustardy yellow. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got it's a great starting point for uh, for a lot of those colours, and it had really good coverage. It was I, really I, good coverage. I still use the pots for base coating yep. yellows whenever sure. I use whenever I use yellows, and I'd be annoyed if I'd had half a an Imperial Fist army yep. in that colour. Uh, you could you could probably look it up online. There's probably a, a very similar army painter or or other sprays available. Um, that that is is close to Avalanche Sunset, but uh, not always the same texture and consistency as as our different brands of primers. Yeah, I've used the the yellow from Army Painter, Dem- Demonic Yellow, I think it's called. Um, it's not okay. very nice at all. It's so thin. It's really? super thin. Yeah, I mean you have to go so many so many coats over the model to get a consistent um, layer down. It's almost like it's not a primer and actually like a spray paint rather than a colour match spray primer. It just does not have the mm. coverage. Or that's, I mean, that can was five, six years ago, so maybe they've, they've improved it since then, but I, I'm pretty sure they haven't changed their formulas much. So yeah, you're right, airbrushing is the other one. I mean, I did, we want to touch on it a little bit because we do talk about airbrushing, but you've got to assume that a lot of people don't have access to an airbrush or somewhere they can use an airbrush, whereas a rattle can option um, is always a good a good chance and the problem is there are other companies like you've mentioned um other companies make spray primers like tamia do a whole load of colors um in, in a spray can but they're so expensive they can be yes yeah and and you've also got to make sure that any primers you pick up they work on plastic yeah and they don't melt the uh the model because i've fallen foul of that before other ways to do base coats and awkward colors I have been recently introduced to uh, this option from from you, and this was when I was doing the sort of panel lining um, option for my Necrons, and this was using a white ink. Yes. So I used, oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. It was Titanium... Is it Liquid, Liquidex? Liquidex is the brand? Yeah. Yeah, Liquidex, I think it's Titanium White. And it is a very, very highly pigmented wash. I'm going to call it a wash. It's a wash consistency. Yeah. But it comes out like a layer color. So yeah. you might have to do a couple of runs over because it is white over, in my case, a black base mm. coat. But it its coverage is amazing. It works really well for what I was using it for, which was the, the sort of panel lining and using it in the recesses. Probably, I mean, almost definitely wouldn't work on flat surface areas. So you can use it on a tank, for example. Without an airbrush. But without an airbrush. Um, but it was a very quick and easy option and only had to do one, maybe two layers mm-hmm. to, to, to cover white over black, which is never the case normally. And it's very, very low on binder, those inks. So you get a very smooth outcome. Mm-hmm. And speaking of inks, they're a really great way to what I call cheat your base coats onto your models. And this is what I was doing with the apothecary that led to this in the first place is I spray primed it white because I was going for a bright color. I was going for white, but if I was going for yellow um, or a very pale or bright alternative color, I, I would consider starting like this. Spray prime it white and then using the inks, you can paint the inks on by brush if you are going over a white primer, you don't need to airbrush them, but obviously it is better, um, or contrast paints. Um, they work really, really well over white. Um, the With inks, you can just paint them on um, and probably add a little bit of um, something to help them flow 
Um, so like a tiny bit of dish soap or something, but you could easily paint them over. Like if you're doing Imperial Fists, spray them white and ink wash them yellow is a great place to start. You'll get a nice uh, yellow tone that's bright. And again, as Dave's mentioned, those inks are very smooth, so you won't get the lumpiness that you can often experience when trying to paint even yellow over white. I mean, I don't like to prime white because it, even though it's a bright color, it still takes quite a lot of base coats to make it not look patchy. The problem with white as well, um, I don't know if it's consistent with just Games Workshop sprays, but they can often come out chalky. Yes, the good, I mean, Corax white's horrible. I've mentioned before, I will never use it again. But the high coat white primer that I've been using is is pretty good. It's a car primer. Um, it just, that one takes a lot of coats. You have to do like four pass, four light passes to avoid chalkiness, like you mentioned, um, and or it not being quite the coverage you want. I think it's just, a, that's just a thing with white, but a spray primer certainly makes it easier. Um, with the contrast paints, um, I've been taking to using a little bit of the contrast medium in them. I did a test. Um, I wanted to do the white. I don't have apothecary white. Um, I have Space Wolf Grey, and I quite like the blue-grey shading for white. If you water it down with water, not only will it lose its contrasty effect where it does the whole edge highlighting thing for you, but it actually kind of turns it into a stain. And the model I painted with that went like a very pale Space Wolf Grey all over the model. If you were looking to paint your model as a pale Space Wolf Grey, that would have been just right. But I was hoping to have it so be... it tinted it. It tinted than, it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I, a, like a filter. Yeah, like a filter. Um, then I did a test with the contrast. Um, I watered, I thinned it with contrast paint, uh, the contrast medium it's called. Um, yes. About four parts to one part actual contrast paint, the Space Wolf Grey, and I Looks put it like milk, doesn't it? Yeah, and I put it over the apothecary as just a slap, peachy style, slap it on, moved it around to make sure it wasn't pooling, but because it, it was thinned down a lot, I didn't get any patchy areas on the flat parts of the armor, but I got this nice blue grey staining on the recesses only, um, and I've done, I painted my uh, orcs for. Age of Sigmar, the Uruk Brutes, I think. I painted their armor with the contrast yellow. Uh, Eandon yellow, I think it is. Okay. Um, straight over white primer, and it came out really, really well. The yellow's nice and bright, and it's smooth. Um, Again, with the contrast medium. Uh, no, I put that on pure because I wanted it to be a nice punchy yellow color. But, uh, I mean, I posted up pictures, and several people asked how I painted the yellow, and I was like, just contrast paint over white. Um, not even over the contrast um, primer, straight over white, and uh, it came out really well. The thin paints, like contrast paints and inks, because they've got loads of pigments in a thin paint without any binder, you can put a reasonable amount on to get the coverage uh, without the risk of it, it going lumpy. Right, and, and just moving on from, from white primers, let's move on to my awkwardness, and that is with dark colours. Yes. I find... A slightly, slightly weird tangent to what I find awkward. I struggle to differentiate different dark tones. So something like an Incubi Darkness, painting that over black, and then working out what I've painted and what I haven't painted. <laughs> okay. Um, I paint in the evenings, uh, such as such as my my um, home life. Yes. So I don't get a natural light. I use daylight bulbs mm -hmm. and they are very bright and they are very shiny and it is very hard to differentiate what's um between two dark colors mm -hmm. which is can be a problem and i find that more awkward 
and if I need to, if I haven't done a thick enough layer or I need to do multiple thin layers, sometimes I can get a patchy effect with some paints over, so some dark paints over a black base coat or a dark base coat. I've I've found that um, more is more. Yep. <laughs> so if in doubt, do another layer, thin layer. Yeah when it comes to that and make sure you make a mental note of what you've painted as well yeah because we flagged um white and yellow and orange as the awkward colors to paint in terms of how the actual paints behave when you're painting the model Um, but i do see a lot of people complaining or not complaining is the wrong word saying that they struggle with painting dark colors specifically black painting black um even though it comes out the can to look like black is actually very difficult if you're painting something other than space marines space marines it's super easy you just edge highlight and move on um Mm -hmm. but i've struggled with it where i've done cloaks and things in the past in black um how do you highlight it so that it looks like a smooth cloak and not edge highlighted like armor but not make it look like gray and this is what i've always come a crop of is i do my highlights i think yeah sure it's a cloak i'll treat it like a normal cloak i'll I'll do an eshin gray highlight then i'll do uh, whatever the next one up is Dawnstone, and then I'll do an edge, and, and I end up, I paint the cloak, and I look at it, and I'm like, I've just painted a grey cloak. Yeah, so the, the way I approach uh, smooth colours is that uh, if I've primed it chaos black or black, um, that is the very much the um, recess colour, and then a bit more. It's like the mm. recess colour and the second colour. And the mid-tone. And then I will use a Corvus black, which is just ah. a very, very dark grey or a very light black. And then I will go to Eshin grey and then uh, my Dawnstone will be the um, extreme highlight. Yeah. So it's just it's going to it's going to look like a darker grey. But as long as you um, what actually rewind everything, what I tend to do when it comes to smooth colors like that, I will take my daylight lamp and take a picture of the model in under the lamp in the in the black primer just so i can see where the light would hit right yes um and then that's that's how i sort of work out where the highlights would be for the layer highlight method that i've done with my templars and it would work the same way for black cloaks as well so you keep it as a reference photo almost i do i do and i have it i have it to the side and and when i'm not too sure or how dark something should be i will um sort of reference it but uh, to stop it from looking grey, like you said, um, and to, to have it more black, I would um, shift your colour spectrum down one yep. so that the chaos black is, is the first two rather than just the recess. And I mean, in the end, I ended up fixing it by uh, washing the whole thing with null oil. Um, mm-hmm. but not in a in a slap the wash on kind of way. I almost glazed it with null oil, so I painted a very... Th- thin layer of gold nolnoi over the whole thing and it kind of knocked it down a step and it looked like black again um but it's, well, that's, I think... that's how i do my my um black templars i i, I finish with a oil wash over the top just to dull it back down yep. again and, and to darken it as well i think it's very easy to accidentally paint a different color though when you're working with those dark colors and painting things dark in general is, is kind of tricky because you're taught with the the paint system that especially the ones gw have, have hammered into people is to you know, do your mid-tone first as your base layer, then do a recess shade or some sort of shading and an edge highlight. It, it, it It's very easy to 
struggle to paint a dark color like that because it's hard to shade it down and you think oh i need to paint something brighter and shade it down and then you end up with an actual just a brighter color the other thing is uh with with black is that um if you don't think it looks right leave it move on to the rest of the model and yes. then see it at the end because my um this is i mean i, I keep referencing because that's what i've been painting recently with the layer highlights is when i do the black armor for the templars mm-hmm. um, i've done all the black armor i've done all the layer highlighting i've i've washed it down with a null or it still looks very gray because the rest of the model is still that jet black base um right. primer color once the rest of the model is done they suddenly look like black with highlights with light highlights that's a good catch yeah so um d- trust yourself and and do the rest of the model and then come back to it and if you need to touch it up you can touch it up yeah i mentioned the black templars puts us into the the second kind of situation quite nicely where i've already mentioned you sprayed your shoulder pads um separately where you wanted a you've got a black model you've got a black model mm-hmm. which is a difficult color to paint as we mentioned and then you want to put white over the top also very difficult to manage uh sub assembling it where possible really helps i did it with my ultramarines um for two reasons one their first company so their helmets are all white um painting white over dark blue uh, is as difficult as painting over a dark color like black secondly i'm quite messy when it comes to painting things like that and the heads are very awkward um to get around the backs of inside the uh, space marine armor um so Again, if I slip with a white paint, it's very difficult to to tidy up because it's quite a contrasting colour. Doing the parts separately where you need to can be a really big help. I am not great at this. The sub-assemblies I usually do are for modelling reasons. So if uh, let's go back to the standard Space Marines, the old um, tactical Marines. Yeah. I always did them in sub-assemblies because I couldn't paint the Aquila underneath. Yes. I didn't do it for different colours. Templars are the only um, army off the top of my head where I've painted them separately because they've got different colours rather than painting them for uh, practical painting reasons. Yeah, well, they have the ultimate in contrast, right? They're black armour with white shoulder pads, or you've done cream this time round, but it's it's, it's, it's about as stark as it gets. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a case of where possible. Obviously, a lot of the time, it's it's not possible if you're... I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, well-known color schemes that are super contrasting like that. Or like I was thinking, and there's other things as well. Like I don't want to just use Space Marines as an example. Um, like you've got uh, Yandan have like yellow and blue mixed together, where some some models have largely yellow with blue, and some like the Dire Avengers. I think their Dire, Dire Avengers, Avengers are blue, but they have a yellow helmet to because they're Yandan. No, no, traditionally they have a white helmet as a as a Dire Avenger, but I think that the Andon ones, sometimes people paint them yellow to, to use that colour. Um, oh, right, okay. On order. But again, those are easy situations to, to split the parts up, but sometimes you can't split the parts up. Uh, specifically, Tyranids. Tyranids. You've got a contrasting colour scheme on Tyranids. It's going to be very difficult. I was thinking things like Iron Warriors, where they have the yellow and black uh, hazard striping. Um, mm-hmm. it's on the armor. It's usually in the recessed panels. There's no possible way of you uh, keeping those parts separate um, or just spraying part of the leg. If you're good with an airbrush, um, masking things off is an option. 
um so you can you know use masking tape you know you want to do a hazard stripe shoulder pad and you hate painting yellow you could quickly run some masking tape along the edges of the shoulder pad and then spray the middle bit yellow but that's a lot of effort it's it, it's a lot of effort to accurately very fiddly use as well it. yeah and oftentimes you'll do that and the masking hasn't been 100 percent perfect and you're going to get some overspray um i'm, I'm not that's really... one of those situations where you might want to take that part off like the shoulder pad and spray it that separate color i suppose shoulder pad was a bad example but like on the greaves on the legs people do the hazard striping um there's not a lot you can do there so i think then it comes back to what you're saying before dave of painting the color over the right base coat um and maybe not going with straight going straight to your yellow um and going to uh, a white base coat first even if it's not a perfectly opaque white or again corax white which is actually a super light gray um i'm the more i use corax white as a as a paint the more i absolutely love it um like i'm using it on the sisters of battle um to repaint the heads because it's a great base coat for the faces and their hair is white so it's very easy to then paint it paint the hair white paint the face the face color and keep sure. it bright but corax white it goes on really smooth um so if i was doing hazard striping on something which i wouldn't because i can't paint straight lines um i would i would definitely think about going in with a white base coat first and yeah i think it's just planning it out as well if you know where you want to put your your base coats and things like this on is it worth switching up the base coats for so uh, if we if we take example of um the arm of your elder guy has uh, like a the van braces like the the forearm section is a different color yep is it worth switching up the base coat so you have a easier to paint over base coat and paint that over the whole arm and then you can touch up the the um, original base coat it's probably easier to to go with that kind of a base coat that suits both colors um, mm. and then and then do touch-ups afterwards. I've recently converted my brother-in-law over to priming more things with grey. He was a traditional old-school 40k painter where uh, originally everything was primed white, and then you like second edition, you primed everything white and used the paints because they were so thin they had to be painted over white in order to be able to see anything. <laughs> then third edition, they switched everyone to the, the newer paint range, the, those bolt gun shell ones with the flip-top flip cap um mm. or the screw lid screw lids yeah. yeah those were designed to be painted over a black base coat so everyone went with the black base coat because it pre-recessed shades for you and all that so it, it, i've had lent him some gray primer to try out on something and he's like wow this is really good because for the bright colors it's bright enough that it's easier to work with for black um but for the you know the, the mid-tone mid like your middle and dark colors um it's it's a happy medium where you can still get uh, a decent coat down without having to do you know getting the patchiness that you get over a white primer so i think that making the right decision at the start um can help you and yeah picking maybe a middle of the road starting point is is a good idea dave because then then you've got the best of both worlds well not even that i just find gray so much easier to see the details on a model Mm. than than black or white uh, when it's black sometimes you miss a lot of the details because the shadows you can't really see when you sort of move the model around and and white's completely the opposite sometimes you miss details because it's just so um stark so i i quite often uh use use gray 
for the Templars, obviously, I use black because that is their sort of their base color. Mm. Um, but for every other army, the, the Thousand Suns, the um, the Harlequins, I've all started off with with grey first. And where you are painting these awkward colors, what's your kind of? When do you do them? As in, do you do them early on? so that you can get it out of the way and you're not worried about if you've got to put on a yellow and you've got to do multiple coats you're not worried about getting yellow everywhere and you can be a bit messy with it to get it down first and then do the details or are you more a do it last um, because if you get anything on it it's almost impossible to to touch it up i i am a do it last um i'm also a very slow painter because i'm very meticulous and neat yeah so I I um, spend a lot of time on details, but I don't mind doing those details over a finished coat because I am neat and I just take so much. I, I take sort of twice as long as everyone else because I am very close to the lines and I will meticulously mark it out. I probably could improve my way of uh, efficiency of painting if I slapped it on over something that I could touch up later, but... Um, I like to be able to see distinct um, finishes on the model mm-hmm. before I move on to the next bit. Um, obviously, if, if lots of things have the same wash um, when it comes to like the base layers, then I'll probably do a load of uh, base colors and mm-hmm. then do the same wash over the top. But when it comes to finishing the details, um, I, I don't really have a specific order. If something's awkward, I won't think about that until I get to the the natural progression of that uh, of the model and get into that detail. Um, because I am luckily quite neat when it comes to painting. No, I, I like to do the awkward bits last as well. Um, I think, as mentioned, it's hard to touch them up. If you're doing a color scheme that has um, a couple of white patches on it, for example, you don't want to do those white patches nicely and then paint the rest of the armor around it and slip over and and ruin that white patch because one it's a lot of work to get it back to where it was and two sometimes once you do that it's you can't quite get it uniform that you'll still see that little blemish uh, under the surface somewhere Um, so I I, I like to do that last as well and if you get a, a light or a weak color I suppose it's weak would be a better phrasing if you get a weak color on a strong color by accident it's a lot easier to tidy up than the other way around. So I'm definitely a do it last, a do it last yeah. approach. And I made I made a joke about it earlier, but um, battle damage and sticking stuff over <laughs> the top of, of bits you've missed out. Um, my tip would be if you um, get a bit of color onto something you've already finished, use the highlight color of the stuff that you've um, spilt over onto and then do your like um, cratery, like bullet hole stuff over the top around where you've mm-hmm. um painted the the highlight so it looks like it's like a, a hole with yep. the edge highlighted around it that would be my little tip because it has happened to me before and that's that's the way I've, I've got around it yeah and the last thing to mention i think was um occasionally switching to a different brand different brands seem to make different paint colors well or badly um, I'm still going to reference back to it more than once. Uh, the interview we did with James Otero from Siege Studios, uh, mm-hmm. he mentioned that uh, GW's Warpstone Glow, uh, great color for doing glazes and blending with, horrendous for doing a base coat with, even though it's supposed to be the color for salamanders. However, there are, you know, Vallejo and somebody else have a very similar tone that is way, way better for blocking in with your base coats 
um, but it's not as good with doing the other work with. So sometimes switching to an almost identical color from a different brand um, can really help you. I am going to buy a pot of Vallejo White because I'm sick to death of White Scar from GW being awful to work with. Yeah, no, I, I find that with metallics. I've mentioned it before. I've moved over to um, different brands of metallics. Mm-hmm. Just the, the Citadel metallics um, are very grainy, whereas I, I like a smoother finish. So that that's my personal preference. Mm-hmm. And I find the awkwardness and trying to fix up Citadel metallics, um, I can just move to a different brand and, and I don't have to work on those details and those awkward colors there. Yeah, so I think it's a case of trial and error. And I think if you are struggling to paint a particular colour, um, it might be worth just buying a couple of paints, you know, splashing out on a couple of paints from a different paint range just to try them out to find out if it, it actually is, is better for you. Because at the end of the day, if you, you know, I, I do it. I'm terribly guilty of avoiding painting certain colours because I don't like painting them. And it might just be down to the paints. Um, I certainly have found a way that I like to paint white finally. But there are other colours where I think maybe if I just tried Vallejo's oranges, for example, rather than relying on always painting with Citadel paints, um, I might have a bit more luck. Cool. So, I mean, that that's that's uh, probably enough about painting uh, awkward colours. Do you want to move on to your hobby tip? And I think you said it was uh, doing decals, the Games Workshop method. Yes. Decals, another thing people find awkward sometimes, but um, I think it's down to needing to be more careful with your application. So we've covered um, putting decals on as a hobby tip way, way back in like the first 10 episodes somewhere uh, where I basically just said in in five, I did a day, I said one thing in 10 minutes and uh, that one <laughs> thing was use Microsol and Microset, um, which are fantastic products, but I realise not a lot of people have access to them or want to go out and spend £10 on or equivalent currency on something you barely use. Um, And I really love working with transfers and decals, whatever you want to call them, because I am terrible at freehand, like really (laughs) bad at freehand. And I think doing enough Space Marines, of all things, has kind of got me down into the right groove with doing um, transfers. But... Again, it's using Microsoft Microset. And I was inspired to try something different by seeing a bunch of Instagram posts from our local GW manager, James. He did a series of Instagram posts on for a newbie, basically, how to apply a transfer. And it's really good. And it's a little bit beyond exactly how they tell you to do it with GW um, on, the, like the, on, the, on the Warhammer TV videos. Um, but it's same sort of principles. So using as much GW products as possible with some added alternatives in there. Um, first thing you've got to do with the decal is to gloss the area. So because the decal is um, you know, a very small plastic layer with the picture printed on it and you're basically gluing it onto the model, if you go into a, uh, a matte painted surface... Um, the reason it's matte is because there's tiny microscopic air bubbles or you know um, pits in the surface. It's very uneven. Recesses, yeah. What happens is when you put a decal over the top, uh, little air bubbles get trapped underneath the decal, um, and it gives you that silvered effect. Is what they call it. But it's that pale shininess that you get around the edge of a transfer sometimes that lets you know very clearly that it was a transfer that was put on. It's very easy to ruin it like that. So step one is to gloss the area. So 
GW's Artico. I tried it out. Um, I haven't used Artico for ages. I found I had a pot. Um, thinned it down because it was one quite gloopy because it's been sat in the pot for a while and two it needs to be thin so that you don't get a, a lumpy surface or an obvious bulge where you've put a thick bit of um, the gloss varnish on you want it to be nice and flat so i would say two or three thinned down coats of um art coat works well if you've got to get fancy uh, the best product ever for this was clear floor polish you cannot buy it anymore but the pledge clear floor polish as in clear, transparent floor polish, um, works really well as an alternative. But if you want to use GW products, the Art Coat is great. Step step with the with the transfer. Don't just dunk it in water. That's what everyone's taught to do, right? Is is let it sit in a little pot of water for thirty seconds and soak up the the let the paper go wet and and the transfer come loose. But what actually happens is it soaks up way too much water and the glue of the transfer actually becomes quite diluted. Um, oh, okay. so the best thing to do is get a piece of kitchen towel or paper towel or whatever um, put a bit of water on it so that it's wet and put the, the put the transfer that you've cut out onto that paper side down and just press it so that it takes the moisture from the wet paper towel and just leave it to sit there for 30 seconds to loosen that way it's getting wet enough to loosen it up and hydrate the glue but you're not washing the glue away by shoving it in water Okay, because I've always I've always done the water method of just dunking it in there. Yeah, me too. Um, until like a year or so ago, and I saw someone apply it from a paper towel, and they explained why, and I was like, ah, that's, that's really important. The next thing is you need to wet the surface of the model when you're putting the the um, transfer on. Uh, you can actually use um, fancy additives like dish soap. It's not that fancy, I suppose. Um, some people use white <laughs> vinegar. Um, because it's the acid in the vinegar that really helps. That's what um, if you've ever smelt. Uh, micro set it smells incredibly acidic because it's got something in there that's acidic um or you can use really thinned down um art coat to put on the model to let you move it around move the transfer around and get it exactly where you want it and it acts as just like an extra binder basically um that really securely holds the transfer on the model and then let that whole thing dry don't get i i always get uh, way too uh eager with the transfers and like right i need to move on to the next bit and end up like breaking them sometimes um, when they're sitting on the model. Um, be patient and let it dry. Um, and then once it's dry, go over it with two Duncan style, two thin coats of your gloss varnish. So your art coat. And that sandwiches the transfer between the gloss coat that you put on the model already and this new layer that's going over the top. And it almost like encapsulates the transfer in varnish. Um, which means that you get no air bubbles at all and none of that weird silvering effect. It kind of makes the transfer part of the model. Right. Which is really important for that painted on look, as they call it. Um, however, this leaves your model incredibly shiny. Um, and I would normally varnish over the whole thing, sprayed with you know your, your De La Rowney sprays that I use for sealing my models. But keeping it simple, uh, the GW Lamian Medium does a great job of matting down the matting down that varnish it does take i would say at least three thin coats of lamy medium you've got to put it on let it dry it doesn't seem to change much put it on let it dry and then after the third or maybe even the fourth layer it's now the same finish as all of your other surfaces that have been painted with the games workshop paint because the lamy medium is essentially the the binder medium in most gw paints without any without any color in it mm. and i did this on my apothecary shoulder pad um, I will try and include a picture in on Instagram as part of the show release. Uh, you can't tell that I didn't use Microsoft and Microsoft on it. It's come out really, really, really well. Oh, nice. Nice. Even close up. 
Yep, even close up. Um, and you can. Um, so yeah, I'll share a picture of it, but it's come out as smooth and flat as if I'd used Microsoft and Microsoft. It was a little bit more faffy and less reliable. Um, and it's on a nice smooth surface. If I was playing, t- if I was putting a transfer on a bumpy surface or something that's got like a panel line or a rivet behind it. Um, I would use Microsol and Microset because the Microsol part specifically melts the transfer slightly and causes it to like suck down onto details. Um, but for general general things, you're applying transfers to Space Marines or vehicles and that sort of thing. The the GW stuff works just 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 really nicely as long as you apply it uh, carefully. I do everything with thin thin down paints, and it's that sandwiching between the gloss coats that makes a big difference. Well. Uh, we are at the end of the show so all we have left is to remind you that we are on facebook at facebook.com forward slash floorhammer podcast our website floorhammerpodcast.com and our instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast cheers guys for listening yep speak to you next episode